Welcome to Spinning Out. I'm your host, Josh Robbins. This is a podcast where we talk to guests about their favorite albums. Today, we're talking with Ben Leach of You, Me, and Everyone We Know about Phantom Planet's 2008 album, Raise the Dead. We also talk about hearing albums at the exact right time and place, and Ben's personal journey with creating music and prioritizing health. You, Me, and Everyone We Know released their newest album, Something Heavy, on September 17, 2021. Check that out on their Bandcamp and wherever you stream music. Don't forget to check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod. My co-host Sarah and I talk about records from our past. So go subscribe now for the exclusive weekly feed. Okay, let's chat with Ben. Hey Ben, how's it going? It's a pretty good day so far. Uh, you know, just getting ready for this coming weekend. Um, we have some shows and uh, just kind of just just getting prepared for all that. Yeah. Mm. You're playing in Chicago this coming weekend. Yeah, Chicago is our album release show, um, and we're uh, we're doing like we're doing audio tree while we're out in the out in the area. Uh, so yeah, just getting a lot of that a lot of that set up and sort of. Um, energy budgeting uh with my dysautonomia i um just need to make sure i'm not overdoing it yeah. <laughs> so when i'm not when i'm not needing to uh exert myself so uh that when i do need to exert myself it's manageable okay uh yeah. and i guess well you actually threw a word at me that i don't know uh, you, so i'm not i'm not honestly sure what that that means i mean we can talk about it if you want or a dysautonomia it's a it's a neurological disorder um character uh, basically like it's dis it's a dysfunction of your autonomic nervous system so all of the stuff that you don't have to think about doing that your body does for you to keep you alive you know like your circulatory your digestive your the way your pupils contract and dilate your temperature control like all that stuff is like sort of gone haywire with me Mm -hmm. um over the last like couple of years uh and it's just sort of intensified over the last like year and a half. Um, yeah, and we're just sort of trying to figure out like what's happening to me, um, and uh, sort of uh, maybe manage it uh, to some to some extent. Yeah, mm. uh, yeah. It's a you know I uh, essentially it's a it comes from a lifetime of trauma and then a concussion. <laughs> mm. I essentially like uh, I've told this story, but I fell in my yeah fell, like I. A broom fell in my bathroom, and I passed out like an uh, like an old Victorian lady. Just oh my goodness! Uh, Just like my startle response, and uh, woke up a couple minutes later, and then so this journey, uh, journey's next chapter began. <laughs> oh, all from a broom. Yeah, yeah, oh, all yeah. from a broom. Oh well. <laughs> uh, well, that sounds like a lot. So I guess sometimes with kind of managing that is probably just because uh, I, I have friends that have it's not related at all but like you know epilepsy and i think because some of the ways that they kind of manage that is just kind of making sure they're hydrated and uh you know they get enough rest and i know it's more than that so i don't want to like trivialize it but you know sometimes it's like those are that's kind of where you got to start i guess with those yeah that's it yeah it's such it's it's often such a moving target you know i'll feel great for a couple hours and then suddenly like my heart won't maintain rhythm or like uh 
if I'm standing up too long, essentially my blood will start to pool in the lower half of my body. And um, so my body will start dumping like adrenaline into its system or some, whatever it's doing to get blood, enough blood to my brain. So that just eventually causes a panic attack <laughs> before passing out. It's a weird feedback loop. But yeah, it's a, it's a life, you know. Um, we all have our set of, uh, we all got our, you know, the, the obvious metaphors abound, you yeah, know. Yeah, like it's, yeah. Everybody's got their, their set of suffering to deal with, and uh, I've certainly got mine, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, what actually brought us together today, uh, we're going to talk about Phantom Planet's 2008 record raise the dead so that came out april 15 2008 on fuel by ramen records and this was their fourth album um so what i'll ask is when was the first time you heard phantom planet and was it this album it was not uh so the first time i the first time i really heard you know i mean I wasn't much into the, like, like the, the OC and all that, but, like, uh, the first time I heard Phantom Planet was probably Big Brat. Okay. Like that... It's just a, just a neat little quirky song with a weird, weird beat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we opened up for them in 2007 at, like, a college fest at, like, a Penn State college festival. It was... Um, Piebald, Phantom Planet, and Us. <laughs> oh wow, that's a good bill. <laughs> and they were, yeah, it was, it was a good, it was fantastic to watch. Like there was, there were, uh, there weren't a ton of people there, but it's like a college gig, so it's like whatever, we're doing this anyway. Like, yeah, we're just having fun, um, and getting a fat check, which is rare. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that definitely softens the blow sometimes. I feel like as I've gotten older. Like playing like a brewery type thing, you know, it's like it all just kind of feels like you're playing with like cheat codes on in a way. It's like you don't really have the one thing you don't have to stress about is like, you know, with a regular show, it's like the amount of people that are often there dictate like what you're going to get paid. So with like a college yeah. gig or a brewery, you're like, who cares? You know? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you guys, just you're just happy to have us. Yeah. Like this, this has nothing to do with your business. Yeah. This is just background music. Yeah. Like, and they treat you that way. You know, it's a it's an interesting balance. There's a lot of it's, it. Always reminds me of like the when I first heard about what like bar bands make mm-hmm. on a nightly basis. Yeah. I'm like shit, like <laughs> like oh, I gotta learn some Skinnerd. Like <laughs> yeah, even like on um, it's like Hulk Hogan's audio book, um, which anyone should check out. I guess maybe maybe of not. Of course, but um, in it he talks about and this is like him playing in the seventies. It's like you know, I'd make $400 a night, brother. And I'm like, in the 70s, like, what? Like, you know, it's like, I don't know if it's <laughs> yeah. like him. And it's like, I don't, people don't <laughs> often even make that kind of money now. But then, like, you think about yeah. the situations, it was like, I just think about older bands and then that I, that I was in. And then someone's like, at your, you know, your real job is like, how much money did you make last night? Which I think is like a weird question to ask. Um, but they're like, and then it's I'm the like internalization of capitalism. Yeah, and then I'm like, I don't know, sixty bucks, and they're like, sixty bucks just for you. And I'm like, no, we got paid sixty bucks. Yeah, and then they're like, that's a bad second job. And I'm like, it wasn't. It's not a second job. It's but, not a job. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it's, it would be nice if it was. It's like cool if it is eventually, you know. Um, but yeah, it's weird that people frame it that way. But yeah, I got you. I got you off topic from what you were talking about with playing the college show and seeing uh, Phantom Planet in two thousand and seven. 
Oh no, you're good. But yeah, like we. So yeah, we play a show. We played a show with them um, just one time. Uh, but uh, yeah, and then I first heard this record um, while we were like arri- We were like arriving in Cal on like in California, the the week it came out, and um, yeah, so it's it just a very sort of very uh right time um right time situation but yeah it's a it's one of those i'm not a fan of bands in general as far as like i'm gonna wholly endorse like i tend to not enjoy like whole catalogs okay like i don't know what it is um like i don't tend to just be like yep you know cool good to go there are bands and that have albums that sort of like where they're like it feels like they're channeling something or they're connecting to something that's you know they reach a height that that feels different or unique from their sound in general and Mm -hmm. what they've produced in the past like in my opinion like raise the dead is an example of that for phantom planet um you know 22 a million uh by bonnie vera is another example of that to me Mm -hmm. um you know say like say anything's first record is a real boy just right off the bat like um like those records all like there's just something sort of like to me i just hear something special in them mm-hmm. and i don't know uh I, I never understand what it is but yeah yeah i th- mm-hmm. I think if i were to guess on this one because going into it it's like i don't know that much about phantom planet you know outside of them being like the oc band in my head so yeah. you know, when you know, when we were talking about doing this, it was it might it was just the OC record. You know, I thought it was the yeah, one that yeah, had yeah. California on it, and then mm-hmm. I was like, then I realized it was like, oh, Jason Schwartzman's not even on this record. You know, like he yeah. had left in two thousand and four. So kind of going back to like that change, it's like when I was looking at some of the kind of liner notes of the previous record, it felt even just from credits, it's like Jason Schwartzman had like a bigger hand in writing. You know, so it's, mm-hmm. you know, and but it seems like at a point, you know, this became like the Alex Greenwald show, you know, and specifically like this record. I think it's like the one because the last record, Jason Schwartzman, like left during the recording. So you could, someone yeah. could easily say he probably had a decent amount to do with, the, you know, the process yeah, of yeah. that. So with this one, it's like you're, you're really almost, I guess, looking at like a different band in a way. For my head, I this is these are my favorite phantom planet songs so um you know i don't i don't listen to the band a ton outside of this record like there's just it gets it's a super quirky um like darkly whimsical um kind of universe yeah it's it's almost this like self-contained thing yeah you know what i mean that a set that sort of sits apart from the rest of a rest of their catalog to me yeah when you when you heard it because i I guess one of the things i was kind of thinking about was like what else was going on around this time musically and like what could they possibly be channeling you know and i'm not certain as much as it would be like their contemporaries but like like what even like what does this sound like to you you know that's one of the weird I, f- I find a kindred spirit in this album as well because it's like I-, I don't know what the hell this is, but I know it. They're like there's neat, like there's just super cool stuff going on the whole time. It's like there are decisions made in this, like in the songwriting process and in the production that you're like, 
why like why that like why that move but it works you know it's like why like why would you have decided to do this there or like you know um so those are like those are always super super cool records but i yeah i don't know you know i i remember um when the record came out uh one uh i know i don't know that it not necessarily that it didn't do too well but for for like fueled by ramen at the time 2008 for them to for like phantom planet to not be like dominating airwaves and stuff yeah felt like a felt like it was a record that was like not as commercially successful uh so to speak um but it's a yeah i think it's a record that any any big label like that should be proud to proud to have put out you know yeah um yeah but i remember them talking a lot about studying how cults write music mm-hmm. um for their victims um and uh, I thought that was really interesting. Um, and uh, there are like moments where I feel like it's like reflected a little bit um, throughout the record. Um, and and that even that just sort of like mentality sort of shapes the sort of the I'm guessing the universe and all the meanings I'm atta- I attach to the to to the music without a necessarily. Um, anyone else's intent <laughs> yeah did they go more a little bit more into detail about how they were attaching it to that because that's that's very interesting like um, so they didn't go crazy with it you know they didn't get too too like sticky uh-huh. like I, they were all like you know when we they were sort of like all wearing the same thing in that in that sort of like illusion illusionary uh sense to uh to the to the cult vibes and i think in some ways so for example in like uh not the panic uh and follow the leader Mm -hmm. you know there's like there's kids singing there's the come along you know but in the in the background of that like there's like sirens and panic and all this other stuff going on um that sort of creates uh this you know sort of holding these those disparate ideas of like hey we're ha- like there's this, we're singing a children's song yada 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 and then like you, you move directly after that to to a song like quarantine <laughs> like yeah you know and and sort of just this is a record to me that i really feel more than i sort of like listen to or more than like i analyze yeah. i guess yeah um so like i don't even know all the the words to this record but like the ones that stick out to me all sort of ring into that weirdly cultish um some like cultish sensibilities um yeah i remember them i remember at least being told they uh you know they read a lot they read and did a lot of research into into sort of uh cult music jim jones all that wild shit and how to um and just how they create I would imagine addictive music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're <laughs> like you know, because like, what is what are cults doing mm-hmm. with their music? Yeah, and that also feels like a very uh, bold thing to do on your fourth album. And I guess in some way that they don't hammer at home too much. I guess that feels to be like a a comment on the music industry. And I think they didn't want to make that like probably like too didactic. <laughs> 
you know, because I yeah. didn't pick up on a lot of that listening to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I it, but right when you said that, it's like it's like one of those things where it's like those little clues and like movies and everything yeah, yeah. becoming clear, and then you're like, oh, raise oh. the dead leader. You know, it's like yeah, demon daughter, even like Geronimo. You know, uh, there's so much. I'm like, oh, okay. You yeah, know, it's like there. All like the. All the like, there's so many like little added sounds that sound like fervent crowds mm-hmm. or like mobs, in you know, sort of either like a panicked or a frenzied um, state, and it yeah, just all of that, it just inf- it just informs that that universe um, that's occurring on this occurs on this album. Yeah, a lot of times I feel like when bands do that, they really ride into it, and it's like they'd probably go into like a, almost like a creepy kid singing. And it's like, everything kind of feels like it serves the song for it, you know? So it's not really like, it's not like a Pink Floydish type thing where, you know, it's like, Oh, we are really talking about money here. You know? (laughs) Yeah. It's it. I would, I would say that if they, you know, whatever they've, they've been writing about throughout the album, it's, it's definitely poetic enough that you're not just like, Oh, this is a shtick. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, cause that's, cause then that's that's just marketing, to a certain extent. If you're like, we're all gonna wear the same exact stuff, and we're all gonna talk about being in a cult, and we're all gonna do, you know, cause like some bands, some bands do that, um, which is fine, but like it's, it's, uh, it can be on the nose, mm-hmm. and it can almost like, yeah, it can make it sh- like kitschy or like a shtick. Which can can detract from the the music, which I tend to be about to a fault. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I'm trying to like place them kind of in a scene because one little thing I realize even with like their second record, the guest, um, it's like them on like a stoop or something, and then there's a guy passing yeah. by the camera, and the guy said in like the notes, the person passing by the camera is this musician Ben Lee, and so it's like you think about like who maybe their friends are, and then kind of the yeah. responses around that time and then for some reason like when you were talking about you know cult and i'm not really it saying anything disparaging about the band but even just like the idea of like something like arcade fire like you know that was probably a couple years later when they really ascended but just kind of like thinking about almost like what pop music or even like, i guess indie rock at the time kind, yeah, kind was, of markets it, things as you know yeah it was very. I. I can't remember. I can't remember if it was Minardi that made that record happen. I think it was. Johnny Minardi, who's worked at A and R for, fueled by essentially established what, what the genre is. <laughs> um, you know, Fall Out Boy, Paramore, like all those those big fueled by, fueled by acts. Um, but yeah, it didn't get a ton of push after the first, after the first single, and I think that was just because it like wasn't the kind of record that they were looking to go hard with. But the contemporaries in that in that area would have been like yeah, like Ben Lee or um, there was another Ben in there somewhere. Yeah, like just Ben sort Queller. Of those, like, this was like a yeah, little like bit ben Queller. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like a a mid mid-aughts version of like that uh like canyon river like like valley sound Mm -hmm. just sort of like a resurgence of like that sort of like 70s southern california rock kind of thing and that's what like rooney and 
Phantom Planet and Van Queller and like a lot of those sort of like uh, bands were sort of like a what that was, but in the two thousands. Mm. Yeah, I can see that because a lot of the bands like definitely were like visibly friends, you know, and uh, they kind yeah. of played into a lot of a lot of their careers, which. Yeah, I mean, 70s rock definitely has that kind of vibe with it. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. And then when you think about, I guess, them living in, like, Laurel Canyon and Phantom Planet being, like, a California band, just them looking at how, I guess, Colts played into, uh, you know, the 60s that. and the 70s. Yeah, just yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> so. that's it. Yeah, that's how rock music was, like, rock and roll music was established in, in sort of those parts of California. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't really much of like a. There wasn't really a, a ton of. A ton of accessibility out there, like in the '40s and '50s, as, as folks that were, uh, sort of burgeoning rock and roll were, uh, you know, getting started. So I'd imagine that's sort of like when that, like the '50s is when that first took a foothold mm-hmm. with like surf music and stuff. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, before that, uh, before it all kind of went. Evil's not like the best term for it, but you know it's like everything got a little weird because like you know surfing then became yeah the the surfing songs then became like you know Brian Wilson dealing <clears throat> with his things you know and then all I guess you know like psychedelics yeah. kind of moved in and kind of changed that aspect and then you know then yeah. once again what if we turn the tremolo all the way up yeah and then <laughs> then you know on the periphery you got Charles Manson and you know uh, things with that yeah. with the Wilson brothers and. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's just so much of that. Uh, but I guess, like, what also makes me think about, like you were saying, like, kind of going into California, I guess, like, on tour at the time. Uh, yeah. So I guess, like, in a way, it probably hit you personally that way, too. It's, like, kind of experiencing this music almost in its place? Or how did that kind of hit you there, since you said you weren't? like a past fan it's a very specific experience i remember like i had never really heard phantom planet before aside from you know like the singles that were out there um as far as yeah yeah uh and like going to california to to probably shoot some stupid photos or something some dumb waste of money that somebody somebody told us would lead so you know yeah 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 we get there and there's that line that, uh, in uh, in Panic, I think. It's like that that um, that falsetto and that low line that I can tell from the beating of your cold and is a chill through oh, yeah. And then uh, then that next line was like, as far as I can tell, nothing underneath your V-neck teeth. Um, and it was the craziest thing. Like I had listened to that song, like we listened to that song. We step out into this place to like do this photo shoot, and like just some woman like pops out of this LA apartment with just like nothing under her V-neck T-shirt, and I was like, "What? Ha! That's auspicious." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "That's weird." I was like, "But it just felt like it." Yeah. I was like, "That's a weird coincidence." Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, uh, and that was sort of the first, yeah, I was doing a new thing, um, and I had, it was kind of the first record I'd really attached to after uh, uh, Say Anything's Is A Real Boy, um, the first record that I was like, oh, this is doing some like interesting stuff musically, and um, yeah, like, 
the feeling of this record is one of my one of my favorites. Like I I, I don't I wouldn't say it's uh, like my favorite album like lyrically. I haven't examined it that much. Um, but yeah, there's just records that I really like sink into and feel more than anything else. Um, and this is this is one of them. Yeah. I'm thinking kind of like of experience like being on tour in uh, California as well. And it was like just even going through, we were like, we're going to actually put on Bob Seger, you know, uh, <laughs> like Hollywood <laughs> yeah. Nights. And it's at night in the Hollywood Hills. Yep. And it's like just the idea that something was specifically made for a certain place and a certain atmosphere, you know? In a setting, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you're like, setting, yeah. oh, wow, this was like, you almost have to be in that place. So to actually be in that place and get out of the car and actually it's like, oh, this is how it really is, does like hit you more than you want to like realize. You know, it's like I wouldn't have expected a Bob Seger song to like hit me that hard, but it was like, it's like burned into my brain now because I was like, this is the movie version and this is it. Yeah, I'm just getting chills thinking about that. Bob Seger is one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, so speaking of Hollywood Nights, like great, you know, talk about set and setting. I've uh, I've utilized that song uh, a few different times in sort of like mimicking tension created or like drum patterns. Um, this the title track of our last full length, "Some Things Don't Wash Out." I've always called just Bob Seger meets Andrew WK. Yeah. <laughs> but on his greatest hits album, in the liner notes, the producer is talking about one night after demoing Hollywood Nights, he's driving home. He's like, ah, let me throw on today's session, like in the tape player or the eight track or whatever the hell while he's driving. And he's like, so he's listening to Hollywood Nights and it's not till he gets to like the end of the song that he realizes he's going like 85 and a 30. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I'm like, just there's a, there's like this chugga chugga tension to that, to like, to that tune. And um, yeah, like that, that can make a difference, you know, especially when somebody's sort of, uh, describing their surroundings, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. I guess that would be like also what, how people describe, or like the sound of like Midwest emo or whatever. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like that, it like that sound is sort of a is relative to a set and setting, and that's why it's like called that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. I and I, I don't know that it also like comes from there, but. You know that music was informed by a certain set and setting. Yeah, and you're yeah, you're absolutely right. It does have a big effect. Yeah, I feel like with a lot of Midwest emo, it's almost like the set and setting is like almost like a place in your mind, like the the place kind of you are developmentally in a way, or at least yeah. that's how it is for me. So it's like not often always like you know with Bob Seger or like a country song, it's like in an actual place and setting, but it's like a place of mind for a lot of emo but that also kind of brings me back to thinking about you um as like a songwriter and you know just like that idea that like what what do you feel like in like 2008 like what was kind of your go-to like music if you had one like what what would you almost like identify with even if that seems like comical now looking back that's the weird thing like so this whole band wasn't my idea. Yeah. <laughs> I I joined another band to play guitar, and the songs I brought to the table were a bunch of the songs on the first first EP, and they were like, we're starting over and you're going to sing again. You're going to sing. And I was like, I don't want to do that, but I'm already homeless uh, for the sake of touring in your band, playing guitar. 
all right, <laughs> like let's do it. So I never really identify. I never really identified as like a pop punk band or an indie. I never really had a community. Mm-hmm. The bands never really had a community. Yeah, we started touring immediately because there were nobody lives in D.C. Like that comes to shows. Like you need you need to be like a at least a regionally or nationally touring act to be draw enough people to make the show worthwhile. At least that was the case in 2000. It's, it's still the case. <laughs> yeah, 2005 to 2009. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, like, we were getting, lo- like, we got lumped in initially with a lot of, like, um, those, like, no more Mr. Nice Guy emo and pop punk bands. Like, I'm writing songs about how I'm going to be mean to girls like they've been mean to me. And I'm not gonna like, and I'm gonna celebrate that. Yeah, like it was, like it was cool, and uh, like, so these songs had vaguely similar, vaguely similar lyrical themes, but through a point of like, I'm fucking up. Yeah, like this, none of this is good. Like I'm mentally unwell. I'm coping in unhealthy ways. I'm stuck in these patterns. I don't know how to get out of. Like I'm the like half that EP is about being the other man, mm-hmm. <laughs> or like being treated as like the other guy and really in relationship. Um, yeah, and uh, so I guess pop. It's weird. I've never really had a com- uh, yeah. The band's never really had a community. We got we got, you know we we are are the bands that Spotify says we sound like that we sound like have nothing to do with what the band sounds like Mm -hmm. it's just like those were the bands that were making money during like or successful during that time yeah so it's like you know like yeah there's some there's some similarities but i think there's something else there's always been something else going on with the band that um has made it stand apart for better or worse yeah i mean i think even with listening to like the new record it was like I, I I like bands a lot of times that I feel like I can't like 100% put my finger on like what you know they're trying to do and I mean yeah. that in the best way um, because I'm I, I think I've it's always... more interesting that way but then as like someone that's done it so many times in my life um, I know that it can it can kind of it can be like an uphill battle because it's like you know I think a lot of times and I've had people disagree with me so it's fine if you do I, I think sometimes like just human nature is to almost like want to cover and not necessarily like, you know, your song has to sound like X other song, but that doesn't hurt. You know, it's almost like you need to be a band that reminds someone of another band. It's probably the best route, you know? <laughs> but those aren't always where my mind wants to go to things I like, you know? I would agree that through the lens of, through the lens of, cap, like, the music industry and, ca- and capitalism in that sense, capitalizing on, like, art in that sense, yes, you are correct, mm-hmm. because it's easier to sell to somebody. So that's the reality of that. Like, that's why it's better to sound like someone else, because it's easier for a label or someone to say, here, this sounds just like this. Here you go. Or, like, we know we this music sounds like these 20 other artists. Those are 20 different fan bases that we can say, if you like this, you'll like this. If you like this, you'll like this. If you like this, you'll like this. For me, and for the band in general, it has always been almost like this band is the exception to people's tastes. Like what I almost invariably get with people is is like uh, I never, I don't usually listen to this kind of music, or like this isn't usually my kind of thing. Like all that, 
Mm-hmm. So, like, how the fuck do we market to people that don't listen to <laughs> the the genre we're loosely associated with? You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like you know, Turnstiles on tour with all these like hip hop and hip hop and like rap acts. Mm-hmm. It's almost as though like their main audience or the the audience they connect with the most are people that don't usually listen to hardcore like there's something else going on with it that pulls them in yeah um they're obviously a much larger band yeah so it can like it's it can be a a plus or a minus depending on depending on what what you're trying to accomplish do you feel do you feel like with thinking about like phantom planet this specific record is that kind of where the kinship potentially brought you to like even if you haven't thought about it like you know sometimes when i think about like a band doing something that I'm like, oh, I'm inspired by this. That doesn't necessarily mean I'll go out <laughs> or even be able to write anything like it. But then I'm like, oh, I like that you did something that pulls you away from what I thought you were. And then so it kind of gives it like a new lens for it. And, you know, I think that's maybe where this band started going, you know? Probably, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I would say... I don't know. This album's just on like a for me a frequency that not everybody's on, and not in like a you just don't get it kind of <laughs> stupid way. Yeah. But like somebody the other day, I got into an argument. Or not an argument. If so basically, I was like, look, if you're coming to our shows, you're gonna have to be vaccinated. Like that's just that. Like I have a disability. If I if I get sick, it's pot. Like it theoretically, this could kill me. Yeah. Um. So let's not do that and somebody was some well one of our well-meaning listeners was um you know telling me something and i essentially replied in an empathetic way i was like look bud like i don't know what's what like you may this may be like a blind spot in your life that you that you might need to look at like it's okay like if you're going through something like this is a collective trauma like the pandemic in general and he was like, "What are you saying that everybody that listens to the ba- like to your band has like is crazy or like has mental health issues?" And I say, "Like, no, but they've probably been through something." Yeah. Like, if you're identifying with the lyrics that I'm writing, you've experienced you've experienced life up close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, life has been a very visceral experience for you. Um, and. Uh, like I think that's just the it's just, it's like it's okay that's not a bad thing it's just an is it's like the reality <laughs> like like I'm a weird guy like I, I like I like odd stuff you know <laughs> I'm on a different frequency sometimes with, with people and I don't even know where the hell I was going with that <laughs> I just think that this album's this album is is sort of like in that in that same space that like I'm just like yes like that it, it does like little things that you just do because you're like, that sounds fun and it feels good. I guess that's the big thing with this record for me. And a lot like the other records I mentioned, it feels like the record was made through feeling and not sort of like mostly the technical execution of creativity. You know, like during the writing process, it was I imagine it would have been like, let's try this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and then sort of like more like improv than sort of like written comedy sort of like yeah. yes and rather than rather than like let's whittle this down and figure out why it's good and then you know what i mean yeah it doesn't feel it yeah it just feels like feels like a felt piece of music yeah i think too like if they're if like the music industry or even at that point themselves 
kind of told them, you know, like, oh, I need to reach for this instrument because that's what kind of plays out more in whatever scene we're in. But just kind of like reaching for things you probably wouldn't do or like, you know, like like you said, theremin, like maybe grab for a theremin, maybe grab for something that isn't classically the part of the genre, you know, and just yeah. see there's if it fucking, sticks. There's tuba in this. Yeah. yeah. There's like things it's like, does it's James Brown, I think, is the the I mean, is the archetype of felt music mm-hmm. like, you know, like in his. It comes down like he down into his like his biopic that notion. He was discussing some musical part with his band, and uh, and he never played. He didn't play an instrument at all, but he wrote everything somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, his band leader's like, this doesn't make any sense. Like it comes back on the you know he's sort of like talking about all this music theory, music theory stuff as to why it doesn't make sense. And James Brown is like. Well, like, let me ask you this. He's like, does it feel good? And, like, everybody's like, yeah. And he's like, does it sound good? He's like, yeah. And he's like, then what's the problem? Yeah. That's it. You know what I mean? And I think that's, like, if you can stay in that lane, does it feel good? Does it sound good? You're never going to make better music. Yeah. You know what I mean? And those two things. Regardless of how, I would say, like, more self-satisfied, like, more self satisfying or gratifying music like you will be like yeah like i did you know because you you know you act boldly when you try stuff out like that or when you you know try something and put it out there and you know if you're doing something weird there's an essence of vulnerability to that or unexpected you're like i'm gonna try this and there's value to that yeah i i guess like since since i never really spent a ton of time with phantom planet it's like i don't even know what i had like filed them away as in my mind you know and then then separately which the two don't seem like they're gonna connect but it's almost like when i hear something now i used to kind of like have aversions to certain genres that i didn't know anything about but now i'm just like like i don't know what this is but the song sounds good so that's fine yeah. it's almost just like what I, sometimes I tell myself, like in a less positive way, it's almost like I've heard worse things. And then, then I come to the point I'm kind of making is like I struggle to kind of figure out like what I even hate anymore musically. And it used to, yeah. it used to feel so easy. Like it used to be like, don't go there, don't go there, don't go there. You know? Well, it it used to most of our our identities were more strongly wrapped. We had our our sort of our sense of self was weaker mm-hmm. internally when we were younger, so we use external things yeah. to establish who we are, and so like you're rock and roll, you're not country, yeah, like you know what I mean, you're not jazz, like so it's those like those things, you know. More often, early life is figuring about uh, earlier life can often be about figuring out what you aren't or what you don't want. Mm-hmm before and that's unfortunate because we're not taught to sort of think about those things early enough you know like boundaries and things you want for yourself in life um and so yeah like much of the young the young experience is like this is what i'm not this is what i'm not this is what i'm not you know i'm not that i'm not that and slowly like through that there's like little bits chipping off 
of like things that you like or like ah maybe a little bit of that you bump into and then slowly you're like molding your yeah sort of sense and identity and then you look at it and you're like at least if you're growing in life you, you look at it and you're like that feels awfully reductive and then you throw the whole fucking thing out and you're like i just, i'm just here yeah <laughs> That's yeah it. yeah I, I i feel like i brought this up so many times on the pod but i always think of this type of person that's like uh, and this is just the example i'm given like they feel like they're still mad at like green day over something or they're still mad at like jimmy world and it's like you know it's like this person is x number of years old let's say they're like 45 years old and it's like yeah it's like that was a long time ago man <laughs> it's like mad at green day <laughs> yeah like they're like they sold out and i'm like what does that even mean anymore you know it's like but i'm kind of calling myself out in a way that's like what was my aversion to this, you know? And I, yeah. I don't know, because it's, like, just simply, like, this surprised me, I guess is the long, long way of saying it. But then I'm just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, could it be that, you know, rather than... So when we're, we're young, we're taught, again, the childlike duality of the world... <laughs> Not that it's like I don't like it or I like it. It's like that's good or that's bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that band is good or that band is bad. That song is good or that song is bad. Like not like I like that song or I don't like that song. You know, like you are you're like sweeping claims are much easier to make when you when you've made less claims and you haven't realized that you're full of shit yet. Like yeah. just because like we all are. Like we're all yeah, deeply totally. hypocritical. Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> um and that's just part of part of the human condition. Yeah. Um and so yeah, we we first we're, we're like that's good, that's bad, we're very like empirical and sort of a yeah, dualistic. But then as we go and we're, we learn that things are more complicated and more nuanced, at least as we age, we should be learning that things are more complicated and nuanced. Like if you have less the more you the older you are, the less questions you have, the more you're fucking up. Yeah. Like, you, you know, it's it's not about getting more answers. It is, but it's also about just accepting there's way more that you're never going to know. Yeah. I, a simple thing I, I think about sometimes is just like maybe you meet someone new. And I think a lot of times they haven't thought it through like we're talking to about. And they're like, I don't I like everything but country. And then that's just a statement people make. You know, like, I like everything but rap. And you're like, but what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, what what does it represent to you? Yeah, it's like, I think it, it's something that you've said so long without thinking about it. Because even something simple, you're like, you know, you could be like to that person and be like, do you like Johnny Cash? And they're like, oh, he's cool. You know, or whatever yeah. it needs to be. And then that's you're like, country. but yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, there's like, I know you have an idea of what it is, but there's so much more about, you know, around yeah. it that, you know, it's like, it's not that technically you have to like live there all the time, but you should, you know, try your vegetables. You know? It's stereotyping, you know, yeah. in, in its own, in its own sense. Like, I don't like country. Why don't you like country? It's cause I mean, pop country today, there's been a bit of a resurgence in actual country music but i think it was steve earl that said like country today is basically hip-hop for people that are afraid of black people yeah <laughs> like and i was like yeah it's like these things are all melding together like the reality of the reality of like non-dualism or the buddhist notion of like not one but not two 
is like reinforcing itself on the world. Mm -hmm. And there's so many people that are like, no, we made these fucking categories and they worked for at least 200 years. And, you know, but like the moment, the moment we start including everyone Mm -hmm. or we start on that path towards including everyone, the more we realize that like these, like these lines and these boxes, all this like in every way doesn't work. And that's what most of the freak out is. It's like, no, the categories were easy. It's like, yeah, but with the the limited amount of c- categories for whatever, for whatever it is, like gender, like the you know, mm-hmm. or like yeah. neuro neurodivergence. Yeah, like you were either aggressively autistic and banging your head against the wall, or you were fucking fine. Go back to school. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> like. It was never like, no, like, I just feel like an alien at school and I need to, like, I don't understand why I'm being treated certain ways or like, you know, so, you know, John Muir also said, like, you pull it one thread, you pull it one thread of the universe and you find like everything else, the rest of it attached. Mm -hmm. So that's like, as you, as you get older and you have more experience, that's like, it's like you, you learn the illusions, you learn all the magic tricks that you got fooled with. You're like, oh, okay, there, that's that's bullshit there. Like, okay, I get it. You know, like, these people are fine, or like, this genre is fine. Like, I can take what benefits me, or what I enjoy, and I can leave what I don't, in that sense. Yeah, it's even like, you know, when you think about, we were talking kind of about James Brown, but it like stacks people and Muscle Shoals people. It's like, you know, it's soul mixing with country. There's like a lot of the same they're the same musicians a lot of times, you know, it's like yeah. that backing band's the exact same. They may, you know, if they're on, you know, Marvin Gaye versus if they're on, you know, uh, Rolling Stones or even like Beach Boys, you know, it's so it's yeah. like those kind of parameters that they didn't even really care about at the time. It's just kind of like what our minds kind of set us to just with marketing and capitalism, you know, and that well, yeah, kind of like, divide these things into you know, the lanes that led us to Phantom Planet, I guess. Yeah. Well, it lets us keep track of money a lot easier. Sometimes I think about that idea of just like where I'm at a point of life where there's like more questions or there's more things that I don't dislike. So that's kind of leading to more opening doors and that's great. Yeah. But then I'm like, would life be easy if I just kind of was like, no, <laughs> you know, like it probably wouldn't be, but you know, you, you know, you meet people and it seems like they have like a simple type of, way of being that they're just like i don't like that and then so they just don't do it they like eat chicken fingers every night or something you know Uh, but it's like but i'm like i feel like i don't have answers to anything anymore it's really the point to it and i'm fine with it but it's it's kind of like just thinking about it's like is there someone out there that just lives their life thinking that they have answers yes the worst people (laughs) in the world that's what i'm getting at but yeah yeah the worst people in the world think they have the answer anybody that's like i know exactly what fuck it you know i know what you need what's gonna fix you the lie that we like what you're talking about is essentially the hero's journey Mm -hmm. like we go you know you leave you set out and you're like oh like i gotta do all this stuff like you know you go through all these things and you and just end up back at the Shire like oh those really you know like as Alan Watts says the problem with self-improvement is there's nothing to like there's nothing to improve mm-hmm. like and that's what you get to that's just, like in, a, in the most pragmatic way possible while ignoring 
so so much other uh, interesting depth in religion and spirituality. Like a lot of it just comes down to realizing that you are worthy and enough, like in feeling that, yeah, rather than like intellectually knowing it. Um, and then that's just going to lead to you eventually no longer doing the things that you were doing in an effort to not feel or be perceived as less than. Like that's, you know, it's like, that's it. You know, so it's just like you go through all this effort to realize like, huh, I could have just said like, I could have just been like, no, I'll eat the chicken fingers a decade ago. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's fine. I eat what I want. That's okay. Is it hurting anybody? No, but it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. You know, it's, there's so much, it is terribly, uh, it requires a lot of effort to exact control on your life. To, to be like, no, I only like this stuff. I only like this stuff. Because it involves you like walling out and forcing things your way. Because the world is constantly trying to get you to interact with it. Con like whether through, you know, whether through marketing or whatever. But essentially like the reality of the world is it is always asking you to interact with it. And you have to say no an awful lot in order to keep your lanes neat. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like... It's like it's like uh, in the running community, most of the injuries that are associated with running are actually centered around running in a straight line. So like net like uh, so like road running versus trail running. Like there will be issues related in trail running to like uneven surfaces, but sort of not the not the chronic issues that plague the road running community. And a lot of it comes down to the lack of diversity and movement, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, that so, makes sense, yeah. So you have to make, like, you know what I mean? You have to squeeze tighter and tighter as you proceed through life in order to keep your lane clear. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? In order to be like, nope, fuck it. Like, whatever the thing is, just, I'm this, I'm this forever. You know, and you have to, you have to become a harder, you have to harden yourself more and more to the world to keep it from getting into you as you get older, which is why people seem meaner and like harder. And like, like when they get like that, it's because they've had to in order to maintain a sense of control. Mm -hmm. And it's deeply unfortunate, you know, um, it generally comes from somebody being shitty to them in life. <laughs> the exception yeah. is that someone is an insane narcissist or whatever. Um, but the rule is usually trauma is passed down. Mm-hmm. Like, it's passed down or it's um, transmuted into some sort of other, a more positive energy. Um, but, I'm, I'm sorry, <laughs> just so to know, you got me lost. <laughs> Brain zaps. Yeah. But, yeah, the, yeah sorry, I tend, to, I, I tend to prattle on. So, I guess from liking this record, did you go on to listen to, like, later records after this point? Or is this just almost like... No. And I... I um, <laughs> I've known that a lot and I've done that. We've all, I think, done that with so many bands. It's like, this is, it's just whatever it is, whatever thing in the universe at that time just kind of told you this is yours. And, yeah. you know, and it's hard to kind of replicate those relationships, you know? And so, but what also got was interesting is like how the bass player went on to like Maroon 5, you know? Just kind of like thinking about who this band is and like who they are now i guess i look at that because like i'm getting older and i almost think it's like an extension of like who am i 
You know, am Mm -hmm. I going to stay, you know, the same thing forever? You know, we've talked about that a lot in this discussion, you know, kind of people move on. But I guess like trying to, I guess, bring it kind of back to you in a way because of like the new record. And I want to ask this in a way because I feel like like the last time my band put out a full length record, it was like a four year gap. And then people were like, what have you been doing for four years? (laughs) As if like I was frozen in amber. You know, not yeah. living a life, and it's like, what? What kind of question is that? And I feel like it's it's always like Do a go. How much this costs? Yeah, it costs <laughs> a lot, especially like if you haven't like someone's not just like here's a lot of money, yeah, yeah. And then so you're like kind of you're just building back the pieces, like almost every time you put out a record, like you're knocking it all down, and then yes. it's like you have to build it back up into something, and yeah. sometimes that's easier than others, but a lot of times it isn't you know so it's like it's not so much a question about like the time frame away it's it's more of like given i guess one record to the other like what almost like made you want to come back to it you know if that's even a good question well i left because i thought i left because i hadn't there's a lot of my life I don't remember uh, mm-hmm. that my mind has like protected me from up until recently. So at the time, I thought that I needed to, because of how horrible my experience had been making music for the first f- 10 years, I thought I had to move on from making music in order to move on from, my, from the experience. Because essentially every time I would interact, every time I would try, like, make be like i'm making music you know people be like you got to change your name you got like nobody's gonna want to listen to your band it's got too much baggage it's like what do you mean bad like the fuck are you talking about like i've like people have been telling me that for 15 years and i'm still here there is no there is no band i've toured with no there is there is one band i've toured with that is still together one band yeah. That has existed, that has, they continue to make music throughout. So it's like, you keep telling me I'm doing things wrong, but I'm still here mm-hmm. in many ways that so many other people aren't. So maybe you should just shut the fuck up and let me, yeah, <laughs> let me do my thing and maybe support the band because you could have been making money off of this for, for the last 15 years. But instead, you decided to call me fat or say shit about my eye or like or tell me that the music's like not easy enough to sell. It's like, motherfuckers, you sold is a real boy to the public. Like, I understand that it's a good record, but it doesn't make sense. Like, it's not an easy sell. (laughs) Like, so it's like, how like you sold these records? How does like like I'm, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. how like that's a statement in and of itself so at this point i'm just like okay cool yeah just keep saying what you you know keep saying keep doing what you're doing i'm gonna keep doing what i'm doing but the the reason i would later realize is through um sort of this uh this experience of having a concussion and then this pretty radical spiritual transformation and then developing dysautonomia like all, this whole process um I, I've been speaking with a therapist uh, right around the time that I'd been sort of reading some Ram Dass, and he talks a lot about 
rather than becoming somebody, we should work on becoming nobody. Um, you know, and I've always described music and sort of performing. It's like when when we play, like like we get the ball rolling, but after that, I kind of disappear. I just become part of what's happening in the room, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And and uh, in and in reflecting upon that with a therapist, uh, they told me like, then the only time you've ever sounded present and centered and sort of like focused on what you're talking about is when you're talking about making, making and performing what you do, like your music. And so it was then I realized um, through doing that, like, oh, like that's how I become nobody. Like that's what I've been doing this whole time. Um, So rather than quitting, I just need to, I needed to figure out how to stop hurting myself for the sake of making this this art happen so then from there i was like okay i just got to figure out how to do that and yeah it sort of it really changed my uh how i write my perspective on um the whole process of of uh making making music i don't really consider myself a songwriter as far as like yeah i'm great at executing songs I'm like, I got an idea, and it won't get out of my head. I'm going to investigate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then something, then it ends up being a song. Like, I only wrote, though the songs that are on the record are the only ones I wrote for it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the only th- only things we, we weren't like, ah, oh, we're going to cut this because it's not great. Those were all the ideas we brought to the table. And it was like, shit, they, I can't believe they all worked. <laughs> yeah, and uh, kind of the reason I felt like I was asking that, there's... It's almost like projecting myself onto it because in the past year, maybe more, um, it's it's almost like I keep going back to like, why do I even do it? You know, it's like and then just over the pandemic, it was like I didn't really miss touring, you know, yeah. and, I, and I'll probably do it again, but I didn't miss it. You know, I didn't miss the booking. Yeah. I didn't miss the putting up flyers or I didn't miss, you know, what all that stuff. You know, yeah. but then what I kept kind of coming back to, and I wasn't doing it as much, you know, uh, last year, and that's fine. But I was like, I knew that I was going to write another song. Mm-hmm. Then so at the end of it, when you strip all of it away, it was like, I like writing music. That's like all I like doing. All this other stuff, I guess we're going to have to do. But yeah. it was just like, well, I'm not going to stop because... I actually do like writing a song, you know? So it's like, it went, it just went to its simplest version of itself. And then, so it's like whatever walls that are going to be painted around it because of that. But it's like, that's what you just almost have to keep in mind. That's what I had to keep in mind. It's just like, I actually do like that creative part of it. You know, the other things be damned, I guess, you know? Yeah. The like so much of what we do as musicians is like, theater to appear legitimate to others you know what i mean when someone's like well you know like like someone will be like you don't i've never heard of your band or whatever (laughs) it's like well i'm the most successful musician you know (laughs) like you know it's like you may not have heard of my band but like i've succeeded to some extent where all of your friends have failed like so Fuck you. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're going to talk down to me like that, like, cool. Like, you know, on the way. Um, but 
Yeah. It's, you know, it's like you're, at the end of the day, it's either in you or it's not. Uh-huh. That's it. And you're either going to, and so those are the two truths of it. And once you get beyond that, if it's not in you, you're eventually going to quit because it wasn't in you. If it is in you, you're either going to listen to those songs that keep popping up in your head and eventually make them somehow, or you're going to ignore that way that your that your brain has created for you to express yourself and to communicate with the world, and you're going to spend many years not knowing how to communicate your feelings to the world <laughs> because you were like, I'm going to ignore that because I don't want to have to do all the shit that everyone is telling me I have to do. Mm-hmm. Everyone is telling you, if you are not trying to be commercially successful with your music, you are waste. like, you're a fucking idiot. Like, there's no conversation about making music for music's sake yeah. anymore. You're not going to find it. Um, all of it is centered around, how can I turn this into money? And that's not to say that, that's, you know, we live in a world, we like... We, we live in a world where we'll be thrown in jail if we don't pay our bills. Yeah. Eventually. And, yeah, you don't, like, once you, once you can free yourself of all that, all that bullshit and the trappings of it, it's like, what do I want to do with this? You know what I mean? It's like getting wrapped up in genre. Yeah. It's like, you know, I had, I had bandmates in the past who were like, well, this sounds like this, or like, what kind of band are we going to be? We're, gonna kind of, we're the kind of band that's going to, that's going to not succeed as much as we could, because we are boring in the fact that we make fully agreeable great music. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no controversy. Like, there's like half the world isn't like, you suck. Like, I listened to the whole record. You suck. You still got those listens. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, it's not like at this point, like, because that's unfortunately today what it requires. You not only need a bunch of people that like your band, you need a bunch of people that hate your band. And you have to use both of those forces to fuel sales like it's so psychotic yeah <laughs> but yeah so like it's like like we make great we make good music like you don't have you don't have to like it because you don't like the genre you don't like whatever like um some like particular aspect of it but they're good songs that's it cool that's our goal you know and some folks in the past did not agree with me um that they it's like well i don't know I'm doing everything. Like, let's, you know, like let's talk. Let's talk about what things could be if you helped. Uh, but yeah, you don't. You don't have to try to make money on music. You don't even need to share it with anybody. Yeah, you don't. Like, my, like none of the songs. I never intended to share the songs I, I I wrote myself. Like, I never intended to be like, yes, I wrote these lyrics, and I want you like, and I'm gonna sing them in front of you. Like, I never had that intent. But that sort of the level of vulnerability I was able to access, even at a even at the age of you know eighteen, nineteen, uh, I basically I started writing these songs when I was eighteen years old, and um, but so like that level of access, that access to vulnerability you have, is different if you're like nobody's ever going to hear this. It's like a diary, mm-hmm. you know. But doing that and then being forced to share it sort of showed me eventually that like that's what that's what people were drawn to yeah um and so it became like a all right if if they're drawn to it like i'm gonna continue to explore it and continue to write in that way but i need to figure out how to 
how to get better at communicating a lot of the weirder concepts circling around in my brain. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it was just, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think what I keep thinking about a lot lately is just like that idea that when you wrote a song or you helped write a song, whatever kind of point you were in, and then like, I don't know, like back, like even going back to early days of the internet, it's like if you had a band that put it on like pure volume or if you had a band that put it on just burn a CD, you know, and then yeah. that was like enough and at that time, you yeah. know, and you almost, you kind of just keep moving the goalpost and then it's oh, like, yeah. then you're never kind of like, you've never reached it then, you know, and, it, and it's not like you have to kind of give up or like lower your expectations, but it's like, you almost have to remind yourself, you know, that, that felt good to kind of remind yourself like that was a good thing that you did there and not that, you know, whatever the kind of wherever you move the goalposts like you know that that's yeah. that's a weird concept that it's like now to me it's like oh i didn't get to go to europe in 2020 but it's like that never was the goal yeah yeah it's all bon it's all bonus stuff yeah yeah it's it's never the goal it's nice when it happens it's so much of my stress in music has been from like this this wasn't like a dream i had i never like wanted to be a singer in a band so I always promote, like, approach this from just like a. I didn't agree, like, I didn't agree to be subjected to, to, to essentially like keeping up with the Joneses of the music industry. Like, I'm supposed, like, I or any individual is supposed to compete with somebody with a half a million dollars to break their break their band because that's what it costs. Your band won't won't break without a half a million dollars today. Um, which set like which says everything. Yeah. Yeah, it becomes like there's there's like opportunity mm. costs, and the target is so moving that it keeps you new and in, in, new distractions keep getting introduced in a way that prevents you from ever making headway. If that makes sense, like you know, you get it's like okay, I'm doing good, like I'm making good music. It's like well, making good music's not enough. You got to market. It's like okay, then what do I got to do? So in 2006, it was have a MySpace page. In 2007, it was have a MySpace page and have a Twitter yeah. account. In 2008, it was have MySpace, Twitter, Facebook. In 2010, it was MySpace, Twitter, Facebook, like, and then, so it's like this, and YouTube. You're like, and Instagram. And then 2000, by the time 2014 happened, it was like, if you're not doing all that and maintaining a YouTube channel, yeah. then 2016 rolls around and it's like, now you need a Twitch as well. It's like, you know, and 2020 rolls around. It's like, now you need a TikTok. When can I put any of these tools down? And the answer is never. Like, you know, so it's like, what, like, so now I'm carrying all this stuff that's not bringing me any returns when I could have just focused on one thing this whole time and probably created a really, really healthy community of listeners. Mm -hmm. Um but no, you've been we've been trying out every new fucking thing for the last fifteen years because everyone is te like because like there's like one or two people that break on it. You know what I mean? Like, and that's why everybody wants to be a producer now because they're like, there's no money in in being the artist. <laughs> like, so everybody's like, I want to be the producer because the producer makes the money. So then you're now you're just the artist again. <laughs> you're just, like you're 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 still the one making the music. Um. You're just not, yeah, you're just hoping to sell it to somebody. I don't know. It's a, it's a strange world, and I think that we're tricked into 
carrying a lot of things that weigh us down when we could just just focus on a couple elements that we really like and then maybe that works out better for us and is a more sustainable thing yeah well the thing uh, i'll shift to you know i've kept you uh for a while you know now uh, and i appreciate it um you're good but you know so you did put out a new record september 17 2021 something heavy is the newest you me and everyone we know record i guess if you wanted to talk about uh, we did talk a lot about uh i guess what kind of led you to the point but you know, I guess if there's something we didn't really discuss in all of that about the new record. Yeah, it's been interesting to, I've started to think about this as a, as a bit of a sonic mirror. It's interesting to see the ways that people are interpreting uh, these songs. I think it's working the way I'm intending it to. I'm seeing a lot of people see the, the in these first couple of weeks, seeing the surface of the of the sort of lyrical content um and like the music is obviously being uh enjoyed uh when people talk about like how they're connecting with the album on like a lyrical sense i'm seeing a lot of interpretations of surface levels sort of like this this song is about addiction it's like is it or is that what is that what your brain is telling you you need to pay attention to here and there are just a ton of invitations lyrically on the the album to investigate. It's like, well, what's this thing? Like, what's this idea about? Or like, what's this idea about? So there's a depth to this album that I think is uh, be explored over time. But it's there are a lot of ideas worth exploring, um, especially now as we watch the world slowly collapse. Um, I just, uh, yeah, I think. Um, finding contentment is going to be more and more important as time mm-hmm. goes on. And uh, the better you get at that and understanding yourself so that you can, because that will inevitably help you better understand others, um, is going to be more and more important as time, as time goes. It's going to get, life is only going to get weirder between now and the time <laughs> that you and I die. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's important, you know, it's important to have something that helps you uh, sort through some of that or maybe introduce some ideas that are distant and strange to you. Like, Better Than I Ever Was is essentially a children's song about about non-dualism. <laughs> like, and sort of like how much more affirming we should be to ourselves, kinder we should be to ourselves than, than not. Um, this... People are taking it at people have taken this album as a dark album because I think that's where they are in their life. There is a ceaseless outpouring of of light on this record that people can can easily discover if they just look a little bit for it. Yeah. It's like listen listen to those listen to those emotions that you're that one might avoid when they come up when hearing the record. Like that's where the good stuff is in life. Yeah, and I guess so we can uh, cap it all off. Um, do you feel like any time in songwriting now, do you kind of like think back to uh, that Phantom Planet record? Or even if you don't, like if if anyone in Phantom Planet, uh, so you'll have two questions to answer. Um, do you think anyone in Phantom Planet, uh, what would you say to them directly if you, if they're listening? I think I would ask what was, I guess I would want to know it's hard to formulate the question, but I would want to understand what was different about the experience of writing and about the writing and recording process. 
like what was different about that process and sort of like your set and setting that allowed for you to access what feels like ideas that weren't that haven't been accessed again mm. since yeah if that makes sense like there's so much yes on the record um and not to say that i'm disappointed at all but it's like a it's just an exceptional record in their catalog and i'm generally curious as to how that happened yeah and then i guess kind of the first question because um do you feel like it almost influences the way you write after hearing it even if it's not directly like oh i think this sounds like this well, yeah, to me it's, was, it's a signpost record for, for me. It's like throughout much throughout my early years, before, the, before I, this band started, I had a bunch of these songs and I'd bring them to people that I was like playing guitar in bands with. And a lot of the, you know, the responses were just like, this is weird or it doesn't make sense or, you know, just I don't get it. Like I don't get what, what this is, like why... Um, and uh, like how like how is a real boy was the first record I heard that sounded like what I was working on, sounded like the songs I was writing. It's like okay, this makes sense to somebody else. Sort of like the what I'm doing makes sense. Like that Phantom Planet record was like the next signpost. Was like okay, this makes sense to somebody. <laughs> like and you know this like what I'm what I'm doing and like what we're trying makes sense to someone somewhere. Like it's sell it like somebody's buying it, and that it, that it just makes sense. Like Pete Holmes says that like uh, he he's quoting somebody else, but he said talks about like art is basically like you saying like is this how you see it? Yeah. Like like existence is this how you see it? Like that's all it is, and like it's you know while it's it's terrible it's a terrible decision to lean too hard on that. It's nice to like you know you like you are not alone. It's a, it's an, it's it's an, it's an existential impossibility. <laughs> like so, there's somebody that identifies with with you. Yeah. Somewhere you like some folks may not feel it now, but there's some like there's a best friend you haven't met out there. There always will be, and it's it can be important to just know like yeah somebody else gets this, like somebody else gets what I'm gets what I'm making. So it's a nice bonus. Um. But yeah, it was a real signpost record for me of like, yes, let's try a thing. Like, let's not try a thing to be just to be interesting or because because there's a lot of bad decisions that are made and left on records trying to be interesting for the sake of being interesting. A couple of ours included. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like, does it sound good? Does it feel good? Th- like, yes and yes. Then there's no problem. That's it. Those are the only two questions you need to answer when making music stick to those you're good you're not going to make anything more satisfying to you yeah well i think that's a perfect way to end it and i appreciate you taking the time to talk to me of course welcome back thanks again to ben for coming on the pod a few weeks ago once again check out the newest you me and everyone we know album something heavy that was released on september 17th 2021 was a pleasure having Ben as a guest, and thanks so much to Nikki Esposito for putting us in touch. Okay, next time we're talking with Anika Pyle of the band Katie Ellen, Chumped, and her own solo material. We talked about Radiator Hospital's 2013 album, Something Wild. Don't forget to check out our Patreon, that's patreon.com slash spinningoutpod, 
And please follow us on social media. That's Twitter and Instagram, also at Spinning Out Pod. Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts because that seriously helps. Thanks as always to Sarah Blumenthal for editing the pod and Pretty Maddie for the theme. Okay, see you next week. <laughs>